0: Thank you, Sam. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so blessed by today's uh, time of worship. I was just sitting in my office with the with the headphones in, just listening, and just so blessed. I really believe that um, God is honoured when we um, worship Him for who He is. He is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. And I pray that He's magnified today. And I was just so blessed by um, the prayers this morning, just to <clears throat> to honour Him for who He is. Um, if you want to, if you want to, uh, I guess know a bit more or saturate yourself a bit more in who God is, I'd encourage you to check out the uh, "Why It Matters" podcast that Sally and Kerry are putting together at the moment. It's absolutely fantastic content. If you haven't listened, checked into it yet, uh, I started listening to it last week, uh, where they talked about God the Father, and I was listening to it as I went home. It was just really filled my heart with worship. So I'd encourage you to go and check it out. You can check it out on Spotify. It's the Why It Matters podcast uh, put together by Sal and Kerry. They have a lot of fun with it, but there's just a lot of deep truth in it too. So check it out and I know you'll be blessed by that. Um, The other thing is, is this Tuesday night, we have our Alpha course uh, starting. I just wanted to say it's not too late uh, for uh, you or somebody that you know to join in. If you're very new to the Christian faith or maybe uh, you would say that you don't have a faith. It doesn't matter who you are listening today. I'd love to uh, connect with you on Zoom. It will just go for one hour on Tuesday night. Uh, I'll respect your time with that. Um, we watch a 20-minute video. Have a, an open discussion about matters of faith, and I'll be leading that course, and so I'd love to love to connect with you. So send me an email, uh, west at cityreach.com.au, and we can get you into the course uh, this Tuesday night. Well, let's pray uh, as, we, um, as we open up God's Word this morning. Father, we are just so blessed to come, and uh, we come to bless your name. But you bless us, Lord, when we focus our hearts and our minds on you. So we ask now, um, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, uh, through this passage. In Jesus' name, Amen. I wonder how many of you might relate uh, to this picture at at this point, uh, this moment in your life. I'll just bring the picture uh, up—a picture of a. Of a of a cat, somewhat lacking motivation, somewhat lacking at the moment. Do we have the picture, guys? It's coming up. It's coming up. Yeah, um, motivation somewhat lacking at the moment in your life. Maybe you don't. You've been in ISO and you don't want to leave ISO. <laughs> you've sort of you're there and you got comfy and you're on the couch and you've sort of lost your lost your motivation. It's true. Sometimes uh, motivation is really hard. Uh, to find. But this next picture picture is proof that everyone can find it. Uh, You can find uh, motivation quite easily. Uh, And so uh, the point is no one has zero motivation, do they? Uh, Everyone is motivated by something. You just have to find it. Uh, If you go to a, a gym uh, you'll see 10 people running on all the lines of the treadmill, and they're all there doing the same thing, but each one will be there for a different reason. Some are there to look good in a dress. Somebody's somebody's there to kind of relieve their mental health or uh, their stress, or others are there because you know they're looking for a partner. Uh, they're all doing the same thing, but they're all motivated by something different. I wonder if you've seen the documentary that's out at the moment about Michael Jordan, the career of Michael Jordan called The Last Dance. I mean, this guy was incredibly motivated. Uh, he if he thought that anyone was going to beat him, even in a card game or, or whatever, he was going to take you down. He was so competitive. He was, he was motivated to be the best that he could be and to be better than everyone else. But even as you watch this documentary, Uh, It doesn't matter if you're a basketball fan. This is just an interesting um, documentary to watch. Even Michael Jordan lost motivation. He had a tragic thing happen in his life. His father uh, was murdered and he lost the will to play basketball and he actually left uh, the game altogether. And you think, how could that happen? This guy was the best basketball player in the world. How did Michael Jordan lose motivation to play basketball? But we actually, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we know this uh, loss of motivation, really well. Even those super duper Christians that you know struggle for motivation. We are we are human, and there's this real battle in our drive for God. And sometimes we can actually find ourselves really questioning our heart aggressively. Why am I like this? Why do I feel like this? What's wrong with me? Where's my drive toward God? You know, we might try and chuck on a Francis Chan sermon to try and fire ourselves up, or something like that. But the motivation just seems to be missing. And so I've called this message today, Finding the Motivation That You Might Have Been Missing. Finding the motivation you may have been missing. We're in the book of 2 Timothy. We've seen Paul uh, locked up in prison in Rome, writing to a young pastor and he's firstly addressed uh, Timothy's fears. Timothy, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self control. And then he moves into the, the message that Ben preached about how uh, we need to live by our convictions, for I know whom I have believed. We need to look up to our holy calling. Last week I talked about how we need to get our strength from God. And in this text, Paul gives Timothy the ultimate motivation for persevering, for enduring in the faith, so that Timothy could be that soldier, athlete, and farmer that he calls him to, and so that we can be that. So he gives him this ultimate motivation. And you see it in verse 8. Firstly, he says to Timothy, Timothy, remember, remember. Now, why does he call him to remember? You see, because motivation is not the art of getting someone to do something that you want them to do. That's called mandating. That's called uh, telling somebody what to do and getting them to obey you for what you tell them to do. But motivation is the art of getting someone to want to do it for themselves. That's what motivation is. And that's way more powerful than mandating something or getting them just to follow orders. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you get somebody to want to do something for themselves? Well, you get them to remember why does why do why do people lose motivation in their marriage? Well, it's it's to, all got to do with forgetfulness. We've forgotten all the things that you loved about that person in the beginning, and so what do you have to get them to do? You have to get them get them to remember, to think back on all those things. You have to get them to bring up past experiences and conjure up beauty, bring up powerful events that have happened that spur them forward, and that. As they have that central in their mind, that fuels their fire to keep going. Now, Tim Keller, he points out that this word uh, remember is just so inadequate for the meaning because we, we use the, the word remember like remember to put out the bins or you know, remember it's so-and-so's birthday today. But when the biblical writers used this word, remember, it meant so much more. To remember was to have something so central to your consciousness that it controlled everything about the way that you acted. In other words, it drives you. It's your motivation. It's so central to your inner being that it moves you and it drives you. And this is one of the things that uh, Israel all throughout their history were rebuked for was their forgetfulness. They they. F- they kind of forgot everything that God had done for them. And that's what made them fall off the wagon in their faithfulness. They lost their motivation to serve God. And so they're always being called to remember Psalm 103, forget not his benefits. And so a preacher will always be, be saying to you, hey, uh, Christian, remember to pray. Uh, remember to read your Bible. And to be honest, we're always trying to look for new ways to say that because we do really realize how important those things are to the spiritual life. But this is actually so much more than that. This kind of remembrance is so much different. This is reading and reflecting and praying uh, to God until your heart catches fire and it moves you into a different direction. It motivates you to act. It's not just the spiritual discipline of praying and reading because you should do. It's actually doing these things and having God so central to your inner being that it moves you to act and your heart catches fire. John Newton gave this uh, example. He says, your friend is reading the newspaper and you walk in and as he's reading the newspaper, you see that there is a big, hairy, ugly tarantula crawling up his arm. And so you say to him, mate, there's a big, hairy, ugly tarantula crawling up your arm. And he says back to you, all right, there's a big, hairy, ugly tarantula crawling up my arm. And he goes back to reading his newspaper. But then all of a sudden, he feels the big, ugly, hairy tarantula crawling up his neck. And so he screams, oh no, there's a big, hairy, ugly tarantula crawling up my neck. And he stands up and he rolls up his newspaper and he beats that thing to death. What changed? What changed? Well, first, the first time, he just received it as news. It was just news to him. He only heard about it, but the second time he actually felt it in his inner being and it moved him to act. It moved him to do something about it. He was purely motivated by living in the reality of it. And Paul says this to Timothy, Timothy, remember this in such a way that you're living in its reality, that you're living in its reality that has come and has affected your inner being you want to find that missing motivation, then remembrance has to take place in our inner being in such a way that it drives us to act, that it moves us forward. Well, what does he say, call us to remember? To remember what? Well, he says in verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Paul uses here his personal name, Jesus, and his title, Christ. Jesus meaning Savior, Christ meaning anointed one. Remember him, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ. You know, often when we're lacking motivation, we're constantly saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? We, you know, we're sort of hoping that this aggressive handling of ourselves will shake us from our slumber and actually get us motivated. But in all of that introspection, we're still forgetting him. We're still forgetting him, the anointed one who saves. We're still focused on ourselves. We're still thinking that we can wake us, ourselves up from our sluggishness. And we're forgetting Jesus Christ. Of course, there's a place for self-examination. The Bible tells us that. But too much introspection can take you to a place of defeat. And so we must inspect, but we can't introspect. Become so, so defeated by looking inward on ourselves, we're never going to see ourselves more clearly by looking deeper into ourselves, we're going to see ourselves more clearly by looking and beholding Jesus Christ. And so where has, where has your motivation gone? Where has my motivation gone for enduring and following Christ? You know, it really shouldn't surprise us that we find ourselves in this way. We, we're human. We're, we're weak. We're not automatically passionate lovers of God. We're prone to wonder, we're prone to forget, even the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do what I do not want, but the very thing, uh, but I do the very thing that I hate. We have a divided heart. Our motivation is consistent. Our lack of motivation is consistent with the fact that we're not as good as we think we are. And we're in a fight that is more difficult than we think it is. And so remember Jesus Christ, who knows you at your worst and who loves you just the same. Remember him. Don't just look on the inside. Remember Jesus Christ, who knows you at your very worst and he loves you just the same. And no one knew this more than Paul. You see, Paul, he, he was motivated by persecuting Christians at one stage of his life. That's what got him out of bed in the morning. He got out of bed to go and silence the Christians. He, he presided over the stoning of Stephen, but then he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and everything about him changed. He experienced his love and his grace. And so for Paul, the motivation to continue would always be the same. It would never change. It would always be about Jesus Christ. Remember him. He is the motivation for everything. You know, the the big brown growling bear of religion and obligation, that will motivate you for a little while. That will motivate you for a while, but it's both exhausting and it's terrifying. It's grace that truly motivates. He knows me at my worst and he loves me just the same. Just think about that statement for a moment. He knows me at my worst and he loves me just the same. Is there anything that would motivate you more to follow Christ than that? Who else knows you? Who else loves you like that? Somebody who knows you at your very worst. I mean, When people know us at our worst, often what they want to do is they want to abandon us. And Jesus is the total opposite. In our very worst, he came for us and he loves us just the same. What could motivate us more than serving a God like that? The enemy, he wants to get you stuck. He wants to make you look on the inside, your flaws, your failures, your fears, your terrible lack of motivation, when actually what we need to do is look away from ourselves and look to Jesus. This, this is why we need a saviour. Yes, we need to see our sin in the light of, human, of, rebel, of God's glory. We need to see our rebellion in light of, this, of a holy God. That's good and that's right. But Satan wants that to be the end of it. But that isn't the end of it for a Christian. The end of it for a Christian is Jesus. Jesus is our end. He is our end. And so remember Jesus Christ. Robert Murray McChain, he wrote this, learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. He's altogether lovely. Live in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love and repose in his almighty arms. So Paul says, Timothy, Timothy remember and remember Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the third thing he says is, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Paul, he, Paul says he's risen from the dead in the perfect present tense. He's risen from the dead, which means that it is an event that happened in the past that has these ongoing uh, lingering effects. And so Paul's emphasis here is not so much on the historical event of the resurrection, but rather the fact that that it is a present reality that Timothy lives in and that we live in. We don't live with the resurrection of Jesus as this distant memory, kind of a faint hope, but as a present reality. And Paul knew this because he saw Jesus with his own eyes on that road to Damascus. He saw the risen Lord Jesus. And what does this mean, that Jesus is risen? Most importantly, it means that the work that Jesus Christ came to do which was to pay for the penalty of our sins, was accepted by God as a worthy payment for sin. It was accepted. The cross is the payment. The, the tomb, the empty tomb is the receipt, the proof of purchase. Jesus was, was worthy. Jesus was powerful to overcome sin and death and to purchase us as his own. And now he lives and he's present with us by his Holy Spirit. And we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about the fact that Jesus is risen. I, I feel some sense of regret that we don't talk about that he's alive except for on Resurrection Sunday. But Christ is risen and we, we must saturate ourselves in this understanding, in this reality that Christ our Savior lives and that he is the victorious Savior of our sins. We, we tend to live a little bit like Jesus his resurrection is a, is a distant kind of memory and a faint hope. And I think that is how religion takes hold in our life. We go through the routine and the motions because we don't have this living relationship with a risen Lord who we can walk with and talk with every day. In 1 Corinthians 15... Paul said this to the people. He says, "If Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching's in vain, and our faith is in vain." It's so true, isn't it? If Jesus isn't living, living, and if He is not central, to, if that is not central to our consciousness, then what do we go about our lives doing? We tend to walk through in these religious deeds rather than living in this personal, active, living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, our motivation for endurance comes from a Savior and a Lord who is. Risen, who is living? I wonder what would it looked like if we lived with this kind of consciousness that Jesus is living. When we remember, to a point of being moved, that He is living and that He's present, we would find the motivation to let dead things die. You know, these sins that I've been dabbling in, these 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 things that I've kind of been giving into temptation on. I'm just going to let them die. they they they're the dead things. Christ is living and, and my relationship with him means that I will rise with him and so I'm going to live to the things that are living, not to the things that are dead. You know, we would feast on his presence and enjoy his presence. We would be able to overcome fear and have ringing in our ears what Jesus said to the disciples and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. We'd be able to over, be confident in mission. Paul's going to go on to say, I am bound here in prison, even in chains, but the word of God is not bound. He has confidence in his mission because he knows that even though he is chained, the word of God is going to go forward. And so he was confident in that. And he was able to endure in suffering. He says, "I, I I therefore will endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of reaching out to others, because Jesus is alive and nothing can thwart his plans. Remember that Jesus lives. Let that sing in your being. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. The fact that on the third day at the break of dawn, the son of heaven rose again, trampled death. Oh, where is your sting? He is the king of heaven and the angels roar for Christ the king. This is what needs to sing in our heart. Jesus is alive. Yes, there's going to be sorrow in this world, And yes, even this week and tomorrow, you're going to face struggles and trials. But tomorrow, when you wake, you ought to know Christ is living and he is with you. And that changes everything. And lastly, to close, the fourth thing he says is, remember, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then he says, remember Jesus Christ, the offspring of David. You see, Jesus was a man and from the family line of David. who was David. Well, David was a shepherd boy who was raised up to be the king of Israel who reigned over the most successful era of Israel's history. And in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 7, we read that God made a promise to David to establish an even greater kingdom than his. He says, I will establish a throne, the throne of his kingdom forever. And this was a very long time before Jesus. This was about a thousand years before Jesus came to earth and in fact when you read 2nd Samuel chapter 7 you see in this promise that there are 11 about 11 things i think that god says that he will do to establish the kingdom things that he says that he will do i think sometimes we lose motivation walking with god because we always think that it always rests on us that our salvation, our walk with God, that God's plan, that his kingdom, it all rests on us. And so we say, well, I will do this for God. And so we're always looking and saying, well, I will, I will do this for God. And it's, it's almost like this form of self-salvation. I'm going to lift myself out of these doldrums and I will do this for God. But this was promise. this promise was God saying, no, I will do this for you. I will do this for you. And so he sent his son to lay down his life on the cross, but he rose again and he ascended to heaven as heaven's king. And he was received as heaven's king. And the king who is going to be greater than King David and more successful than the era that King David ruled over, he is going to come. And for all those who endure, we will receive the kingdom that he is preparing for us. And so therefore, what is our motivation for endurance? Our motivation is the fact that He is our Savior. He He knows us at our worst, and He's loved us just the same. He's our risen Lord that we can speak with and have relationship with every with every day, and yet He is our King. He is our King, and His kingdom is coming for all of those who are uh, who endure. Lord, forgive us for trusting in ourselves, for saying more often that we will do things for You rather than basking in Your glorious finished work that has been done through your son that he rose again from it and when he returned to heaven he was heaven's king and there was raptures in heaven over what he had done and we who are we what have we done yet believed just believed in his work how do you find the motivation that's missing in your life don't look on the inside at your own sluggishness look at the glorious work of christ and bask in it, and remember it, and think on it until it catches fire in your heart again. Motivation uh, that reminds me of of a young woman, Mary, twenty one years old from Iran, who late last year, and actually for some time, I heard about this week, has been campaigning for Christian rights in Iran where it's illegal to convert from uh, being a Muslim to being a Christian. And she, she's been part of house churches uh, before, where she's actually been uh, taken, spent six months in prison before. This young girl, Mary, 21 years of age. And um, I was reading hearing about this week how uh, in January, after uh, campaigning for uh, Christians to be able to exercise their faith more freely and have church and meet together and share the gospel, uh, she was uh, arrested. Uh, she was put in jail. Um, no one heard from Mary for a whole month, and uh, found out afterwards that she was left out in freezing conditions. She was um, she was beaten badly. Uh, members of her family were beaten badly, and uh, and so uh, last week, um, just last week, her sentence was confirmed. She went through a process. Uh, and her sentence was confirmed that she's going to have to spend three months in prison and also receive 10 lashes for what she's done. This is this 21-year-old girl, Mary, and, uh, and, and three months in prison, three more months in prison, 10 lashes. I was thinking to myself, is it, where do you find the motivation to serve Christ like this? Uh, it, Mary's not a superhuman. And the Apostle Paul is not a superhuman either. Paul, he describes himself here as, as a criminal in chains who is then able to say, I endure everything for the sake of reaching others. This is what Mary's uh, goal and mission is to uh, open doors, tell us that there's many people like Mary, many men and women who are standing up for Christ like this, who are wanting to uh, share the gospel even in the midst of Of persecution and they are becoming the backbone of the church and they are rising up a generation of other people who want to serve Christ because he's worthy because he is worthy he's he's glorious he's beautiful sometimes I wonder whether we have forgotten this we've forgotten just how glorious and how beautiful and how wonderful Jesus Christ our Lord is and so how do we find the motivation that we have been missing but simply this, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. He is our saviour. He is our king. And if we endure, he is coming for us to enjoy his kingdom forever. Let's pray. Father, right now I just want to call upon your presence for every person, Lord, listening in this morning. Lord, that they may right now begin to take their eyes off their own sluggishness and their own lack in their heart and behold the glory of King Jesus, who has done all the work on our behalf. Perhaps you are right now in your room, in your living room watching and you know that you've lacked motivation and you've been trying to find the motivation in yourself. Maybe you might even just come to your knees right now and you might just behold the glory of the King. Our Saviour who has known you at your worst and loved you just the same. What more could motivate us than knowing a, a Saviour and a, and a King like that? I thank you for that, Lord, in my own life. And I ask for your forgiveness and I repent, Lord, before my church family. Of so often looking to myself for salvation rather than trusting in yours. No wonder I sometimes find myself burdened. But Lord, help me to behold your glory day by day. Lord, and I pray that our church family Lord, would behold your glory that we'd be able to wake tomorrow with genuine, real hope in whatever we're facing, whatever the struggle is that's testing our endurance and our faithfulness. May we be able to wake tomorrow knowing Christ is risen and he is with me, even to the end of the age. And so, Lord, I pray that you comfort your people today. Lord, would you do in their hearts what's needed to be done? Lord, may we not... Uh, Just hide, Lord, behind the TV screen today, but truly do uh, what needs to be done to enjoy you and enjoy your presence, to turn from idols and worthless things. Let dead things be dead and walk in the life that you've called us to. I pray that and ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.